Hello listener, it's your presenter of Campbell's Football's Grant Campbell here to give you a little bit of an insight into a very special episode of Campbell's Football's. I was given the absolute honour to interview a man who has done so much in the Scottish game. This man has managed at a range of clubs including Motherwell and Aberdeen, but probably most sensationally was the last Scotland manager to qualify the national team to a major finals. I had the great pleasure of interviewing Craig Brown for a special episode of Campbell's Footballs. It is a very much an in conversation with podcast. So I hope you will enjoy listening to what was a truly fascinating insight with some amazing stories and some amazing times as well. Craig was an absolute delight to interview and I hope his enthusiasm along with mine is shared in this podcast. Enjoy. It is a real privilege uh, for me to be doing this episode of Campbell's Footballs with a legend of Scottish football, Craig Brown. Craig, a warm welcome to the show. Thanks very much, uh, Grant. I'm delighted to be asked to contribute. First of all, I have to ask, how are you keeping? Keeping very well for my age. and uh, People remind me of my age quite recently. <laughs> my own family in particular. Uh, when you say how I'm keeping, I'm a slight uh, throat at the moment, but uh, hopefully it will be audible to anyone listening to this. But, you know, I'm very fortunate in that my health has been, throughout my life, been very good, but for knee problems, which I'll be happy to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll, later on you'll ask me about the clubs and, yeah. you know, the one club I do dislike, and I admit it, right at the start is, and I've got cause, you know, in Aberdeen you're not allowed to like Rangers. Yeah. Now, I'm nothing against Rangers, the current Rangers set up, but uh, I go back as a young footballer and I fought Rangers very badly because when I got an injury playing for them I was uh, subjected to no proper treatment because they didn't have a qualified physiotherapist. Right. You would hardly believe That's that. Glasgow Rangers in Europe uh, winning cups in Scotland, very very successful team at the, my time, the late 50s and early 60s yeah. winning everything and uh, they hadn't a qualified physio so when I got a knee injury it wasn't treated properly and I'm not going to say to you that I was going to be a great player but I would have been less bad yeah. if they had treated me properly mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I really have a reason not to like Glasgow Rangers <laughs> a way back yeah. having said that I'm very friendly with many of the legends of Rangers mm -hmm. and a lot of the guys I played at my time, you know the Hendersons the Baxters, the McMillans and, and then later on managers like Walter Smith with whom I'm very friendly so you know uh, you mentioned how's my health, my health Physically, but for the knee, is I'm lucky. It's been very good. You're looking really well, and it is a real privilege for me to be doing this with you. Yeah, so what made you want to get into football in the first place? Well, Grant, I was a young lad, and I was brought up in Hamilton, and uh, there were three sons in the family. My father was an ex, uh, or at the time he was a PE teacher, and he had just finished uh, <laughs> the, the World War, <laughs> you know, the Second World War, and he had been in the RAF, and he, he got good promotion there. He always jokes and says Hitler was my best friend because uh, I joined the RAF and I get promotion. He was in charge of the RAF School of PE at right. Cosford at Wolverhampton. And at the same time played uh, in wartime football for Wolverhampton and had a spell playing in Scotland with Patrick Thistle. And it's now called Stirling Albion, it was called Kings Park then. Right. So he was a professional player. He encouraged the three of us to play football and to, to enjoy it. He didn't think of it as a career, no way and to enjoy golf in the summer so that's what uh, and of course the school that I went to was uh, in Hamilton was called St John's Primary School 
and they had a teacher who was very keen on football. So then when I finished the primary, I went to the secondary school, Hamilton Academy, and their PE man was keen on football as well. So the football really, uh, how, how can you call it, the, the enthusiasm for football started as a youngster. And I've got to say, I've not grown up. <laughs> I'm now I don't think you ever do, do you? No, I'm still an adolescent and uh, I'm still an adolescent about football and I love football. And it, I was very lucky eventually that my hobby became my job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people will know of you as a manager, but obviously you did have a playing career as well. Um, could you elaborate on some of the clubs you played for? And well, yeah, I, I had a modest playing career and I think it as I said, it could have been better if I had retained reasonable fitness because I had uh, five knee operations quite early in my career. Blimey. I was a very good, they say anyway, I was a very good uh, youth and boy player. Mm -hmm. And I played with two famous guys for the Scotland youth team and schoolboy team under 18. And they, you know, the two guys that have held the European Cup up, and I'm proud of that, that I played in the same Scottish schoolboy under 18 team as Billy McNeil. And then the following year, I was aged for it the next year again, and in the team that year was Alec Ferguson. Two legends of the game. Two legends. I mean, they are the main, yeah, I think, uh, if you ask anyone abroad for a name in Scottish mm -hmm. football, uh, a historical name anyway, they will give you McNeil, they'll give you Ferguson as a current name, yeah. and of course, uh, you're adding people like Doug Leach to that. Yeah. But, you know, they're up there uh, with the greats of not just Scottish, but... British and European football, mm -hmm. so I managed to play in the Scottish schoolboys team and quite interestingly when we played England at Celtic Park, uh, Billy McNeil was in the team and I was in midfield, I was, uh, uh, they called it left half in those days, and Billy was a centre half and uh, we won 3-0 against England. The next year we went down to London to play them down there and Alec was in the team <laughs> and we lost 4-3. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who missed a penalty, but I don't mind reminding oh, a certain jeepers. gentleman yeah. who was uh, well-deservedly well knighted that uh, he missed a penalty against England, so he doesn't like to be reminded of that. Yeah. But So therefore that was my, my so I was a good uh, schoolboy player and the drill then was that the Senior clubs watched schools football, which yeah. was thriving because the teachers and the janitors were taking teams. Then later, later on, uh, there was a teacher strike and it upset the whole apple cart in terms of the, the pro progress, the progression through schools football. But while I was at school, I was playing amateur football in Hamilton, a team called Clydesdale Amateurs, and. Uh, I then was asked to sign, because of the schoolboy international stuff, for several clubs. Mm -hmm. And my father was against the old firm. Don't have anything to do with the old firm, but I've to humbly admit that I signed for money. At least you're honest about it. Well they, well, they offered so much money, Rangers did. And it was quite interesting when the, the manager was Scott Simon. When my father was with me and he... We negotiated an amount, amount of money which was equivalent to a year's salary for the first team at that time, which was the signing on money. And he opened the safe, and there were wads of notes in that safe. And I remember <laughs> my father saying, Where do you get how come you got all that in the safe? He said, That's the car park money. <laughs> <laughs> so the car park money I got signed for uh, Rangers, uh, the signing on money was the car park money. But you know, it was with hindsight a mistake because it was too big a club. 
uh, for a young boy at mm. that time who wasn't established. And I remember there was a, an older player, you'll not remember his name, but Sammy Beard was his name. And, quite, and he was he played in the same position. So the ba- back page of the Daily Record has a heading. Mm-hmm. Rangers sign boy they all wanted, right? So <laughs> I walk in, a wee boy, and, uh, and I'm small, and Sammy is a giant of a guy. And they, we were pegged alphabetically. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the one big dressing room. Right. So it was Baxter, Baird, Baxter, uh, Brown, Caldo. Okay. Now, three legends, three international players, Sammy Baird, Jim Baxter, who's this guy, Brown, and Caldo. <laughs> and you expect to be made welcome. Now, most of the players did, but Big yep. Sammy looked at me. And after three days, he put me right in my place. He said, come here, son. Did you win a competition to train with Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he thinks I'm much good. But he put me right, I was so... And we Johnny Hubbard heard them. Now, mm-hmm. he's a lovely wee South African winger. And Johnny says, Brownie, don't listen to that big bastard. I'll sort him. I said, how are you going to sort him? He's twice the size of you. Just leave him to me. Come on Saturday after the game. Now, I would go to the game match on Saturday, and there were no subs or anything. Like just 11 players. And they, they would all be in the bath. It was a communal bath after right. it. And Sammy was in the bath. He was playing. John Hubbard was in the bath. He was playing. And I went in and Hubby encouraged me to stand and listen. And he winked. And he said, Sam, Sam, he says to Big Beard, there was 62,324 there today. <laughs> you know, and he said, Big Sam, oh, how do you know? How the hell? The game's just finished. And you're telling me there was a 62. How do you know that? Yeah, wee balloon, he says to Hubby, he says, how do I know? He says, I was counting them, waiting and I pass from you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I, love, oh. I, I love the humour in the game. Yeah. And, that, and it started at Ibrox with things like that. And then they would put up the team. Yeah. In those days, no substitutes, right? Mm-hmm. Up was the team. And uh, there would be a 12th man. Yeah. And... Uh, you were hoping if you were a young boy you might get, in a, especially if it was on a broad trip, when I managed to get, I, I got a couple of them. But I read in the Daily Record again, they called it the Daily Ranger. Mm-hmm. The Daily Ranger. I think it's still called that by uh, some people these oh, days. Well, yeah, yeah. They were joking about it, they called it the Daily Ranger and it said, Henderson to get contact lenses. Now, Wee Willie Henderson was a winger, brilliant wee winger, but he was a bit blind and... He played by ear, they used to ah, say. They used to, he heard the ball, he didn't see it. So, uh-huh. And the big, big deal Rangers were getting Henderson contact lenses. Right. Now, that was unusual. Now, the outside left was a guy who came up to Aberdeen and played a season or two called Bobby Hume, mm-hmm. because Davy Wilson was injured. His replacement was Bobby Hume. So the groundsman, Davy McLeod, came in. The team went up Friday morning. He's got status symbol, soft hat. He walks in the head groundsman to Ibrooks, and he looks at the team. And he shakes his head. He says, I see it and I don't believe, believe it. it. <laughs> and he reads the forward line. Henderson, Macmillan, Miller, Brand and Hume. Shakes his head again says, two blind wingers. He says, I don't know whether to line the park tomorrow or put Kirstein's in all the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always remember the wee bits of humour. Oh, brilliant. And so... I was at Rangers for uh, a couple of years, and the second year I was there, I, well, the first year I was there, I got injured. Mm-hmm. What the drill was, they sent you to play junior football. Right. Now, this is quite a, 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 an historical fact, I think, of great significance, because we've had all these, currently with all these new schemes, trying to promote Scottish mm. football, you know, the latest being 
what was that latest report, the anyway, Henry McLeish had one, and then there was another one quite recently. I remember the Henry McLeish one, because that was yeah, quite famous. Yeah. There was another one, uh, oh. anyway, all these reports, all these initiatives, Yeah. and when you think back, it used to be, you played at school, you signed for a senior team and they put you out to a junior club. Yeah. Now, the Lisbon Lions, 10 of the Lisbon Lions played junior football. Yeah. Now, that to me tells you something. Absolutely. That was the best team in Europe. And they all went for a year at least, sometimes longer, mm -hmm. and played. And Steve Chalmers, who scored the winning goal in the European final, yeah. played for Ashfield Juniors till he was 23. Crumbs. <laughs> it's incredible. I know. And now you've got to be a player when you're 16 or 17. They'll yeah. just discard you. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think there's a lesson now that I was privileged. They sent me out junior football to mm -hmm. Coltness United in Wishaw and Junior League. And at the same time, Billy McNeil was playing for Blantyre Victoria. Jimmy Johnson was playing for Blantyre Celtics and Bobby Murdoch was playing for uh, Cambersang Rangers. Uh, they, they were all, the, the Lisbon Lions were all out mm -hmm. junior. Mm -hmm. And that was a good route to get back in and then you played in the reserve team and you into first team. Yes. But, so I'll cut the long story short. I was at Rangers, did well at junior football, was picked for the squad, the Scottish Junior Internationals squad when I was 18. And that was quite difficult. So a lot of tough junior teams yeah. went around. <laughs> I can imagine there's still a lot of them these yeah, days. Yeah, the same, exactly. Uh -huh. And it toughened you up. But, you know, at that time I could do no wrong as a player because everything was happening for me. And then Rangers called me up and I got this injury. Yeah. And I was never really right. Then I went on loan to Dundee. Mm -hmm. I went on for six months and the manager was Bob Shankly, uh -huh. who tried to sign me as a boy for Third Lanark when he was a the manager there. And I, I said I went to Rangers which was, again, with hindsight, not a good idea, but uh, he took me on loan when he was manager of Dundee. Nice. And I was delighted. I was six months on loan, played against Rangers twice, and played well against them. And, the, you know, the Rangers players knew me, and they were saying, well done, son, you mm -hmm. showed them, sort of thing. But then I got an outright transfer at the end of the season, which delighted me. So that enabled me to go to Dundee for the next five years. And uh, that was uh, my best spell of playing, or, or my least bad spell <laughs> playing, because we, we won uh, the league. <coughs> hey, and I was, I say, the twelfth number of appearances in that team, so I got a league championship medal. And and then we were in the European Cup the next year, got to the semi-final. Terrific Dundee yep, team. Yep. Hey, and the, the team that people, Dundee people, listening to this would remember was Slater or Linney. Goalkeeper Hamilton and Cox, Seath, Ewer, Wishart, Smith, Penman, Cousin, Gilzine and Robertson. And then when they were stuck, they put a boy brown in. But <laughs> <laughs> I was proud to associate with that lot because yeah. it was a fabulous. Yeah. And many authorities, the journalists, said that that Dundee team beaten in the semi-final of the European Cup was they thought it was a better team than the Celtic team that won it mm -hmm. four years later. Now, that Dundee team beat the German champions, champions of Germany, you know. Cologne. You know. And they beat them uh, in aggregate 8-5, would you believe? Blimey. It was 7-1 at home. High scoring game. <laughs> but just murdered Cologne. Lost over there. They, there were no subs, so they kicked the goalkeeper. <laughs> That's true. Is that right? In the head. I, he got carried off, so we had to play with 10 men over there. Then beat Anderlecht, the Belgian champions, 4-1. 
then beat the Sporting Lisbon, mm-hmm. the Portuguese big, champion. Big clubs. <laughs> then got AC Milan, got a draw at home, and went over there and lost 3 1 in the semi final. Not Milan team, but no, no, a hell of a squad. Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name Maldini and Schnellinger and guys like that, but mm-hmm. you know, they were fabulous. Yeah. So they won it easily at Wembley against Benfica mm-hmm. in, in uh, the final. So I was in that squad and then I had trained while I was a young boy, I had trained as a PE teacher as well and uh, I was qualified then and when I got transferred to India I taught in the afternoons, we trained only every morning and I had permission, if there was an afternoon training session I would excuse it because I was working and they were very good to me, Shankly the manager, Uh, we learned a lot from him and I was there and then uh, I realised that within, I had five knee operations and I realised that I'm struggling, I'm slowing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't the quickest but yep. I was tough. My attributes were uh, aggression yep. and I get the job of marking the best player in the opposition. It's a sort him out. <laughs> Take him from the knee down. <laughs> <laughs> Make him know he's there. Jack Knight used to say, this guy you're playing against today, you know, it was Jimmy Johnson, he said, I could frighten him with clearing my throat. <laughs> <laughs> he says he tossed up with a sparrow for legs and the sparrow won. <laughs> so my experience of it as a player was as a, I was a kind of uh, destroyer type. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a wonderful football team at Dundee. Yeah. Now that wasn't my attribute. Anything I could offer was destructive. Yeah. You know, I I get a tackle and and get get fighting for it. You were in sort of more recent terms, the maybe the Graham Shinney of the of the team. Well, I would like to think so. Not not too dissimilar. You know. Uh, <laughs> I could pass the ball though. Ah well. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, that's no fair, no, Sydney. Yeah. I love Sydney, but uh, you know, I, I actually I can hit it with two feet. Yeah, and I was for my for my size, I was good in the air. Uh, as you, you see, there's a nice photo in that uh, book there. I'm heading the ball at Celtic Park. Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping high, and the goalkeeper's punching it, you know, <laughs> which is not not too common, but not uncommon for yeah. me. I was okay with a good spring and could head it. Mm-hmm. So I loved playing then, I got transferred, uh, I, I, I lost my place, I was in and out in Dundee, mm-hmm. and then I got transferred to Falkirk. Yeah. It was only two leagues and they were at the bottom of the old first division, mm-hmm. where there were, I think there was, that time, 20 teams, uh, 18, I can't remember, but they were at the bottom, and they, they made a couple of signings at Christmas time. And one was Doug Bailey, who used to write for the Sunday Post and played for Third Lanark and myself. And we managed to get Falkirk into the middle of the league. Yeah. By the end, well, it was coincidence probably that we signed this. But when I went to Falkirk, I went part time. Right. I was full time in Dundee. I went part time because I realised I'm not going to make a career out of football. Mm-hmm. And when I went part time, I lived in Hamilton. I travelled to Falkirk, and four of the team. That were, when I played in the first team at Falkirk, four of the lads were part-time, the yes. rest were full-time. So it was a nice club, I enjoyed my football there. Did you feel maybe under pressure because you were playing part-time, that opportunity to step up? Uh, well, to match the full-time the, guy's standards? I, probably, you know, the, you, the atmosphere was good though in the Falkirk Football Club. You know, they, they, they had a trainer there, a guy, Ernie Godfrey, who kept everyone 
I, I got through three managers. <laughs> I got rid of three two managers. <laughs> <laughs> they tell me that anyway. The one they say you keep seem to there seems to be a common theme developing here. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've I've got to realise my capabilities. <laughs> the man that signed me was uh, called uh, Alec McRae, and then he got the sack, and then Sammy Keane, who was assistant manager at the league, got the job at at uh, Falkirk. He got the sack, and then John Prentice got the manager and he gave me the sack yeah. so I had three different managers at Falkirk in a short, sp- short spell of three years and then that was my career finished because I really was struggling yeah. I'm not making that an excuse but I, I was swollen knee after every game and treatment and it wasn't enjoyable yeah. and they trained very hard even the part time boys there and the training became mal. I used to, I could run forever mm-hmm. when I was a young player, but eventually I yeah. couldn't move, and therefore uh, uh, they freed me, mm. got released. Uh, amazingly, uh, uh, at that point, uh, the one team that came and said, "Would you try and make a recovery with Stranraer?" You know, really. And I, and I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll come." And I, I played again, one game for Stranraer against Larne. They had a, an annual fixture pre-season. Larn in Northern Ireland. Aye, mm-hmm. I played this uh, Irish team, Larn, and we played, and I played, if I say it myself, I played well, and they, they offered to sign me. So I said, well, I'll sign for you, and because by this time I had moved to, my job was working in there, and it was handy, so, mm-hmm. so uh, I signed for them, and after the pre-season training, I, I realised I couldn't do it, so I, I don't want to get a, a gold starting, but I gave them the money back. Mm-hmm for which they were grateful they said you know a lot of guys would just have kept it mm-hmm. I gave them the signing on feedback and said I'm retiring so yeah. that finished me you know I was only 28 at the time yeah. which, which I felt you know was, was a bit early because I was because of my PE teacher training I was quite mm-hmm. fit and I, I sensed a regret there I never regret I liked to have played longer mm-hmm. you know and, and also I'd like to have been more Mobile, <laughs> which is fascinating because obviously I've done previous podcasts with Lee Mayer and a couple of other people, and they they, they have that regret of just not being able to fully finish out. Yeah, well, obviously some of their journey. The, the best part of football is playing. Yes, and the next part is coaching. Absolutely, and, and then the next part is journalism. Absolutely, and if I go at them all, and you know, if you ask anybody, I'm sure they'll say as I would say, if playing was the best part mm-hmm. of your yeah. time in football and there's no doubt that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it particularly when I was reasonably fit mm-hmm. in, at Dundee yeah well, it seems like you had some super memories from your time at Dundee oh, yeah. um, my next question is what made you make the break into management how, wh- how did that come about well that was uh, purely accidental I was uh, when I, I left Dundee uh, I was part time and therefore I had to go back to my trade which was teaching and I was a PE teacher and then the director of education called me and he says you know what they call the PE teacher and I says no he says the ignorant acrobat <laughs> do you want to be an ignorant acrobat all your days I said what are you trying to tell me he says I'm trying to say to you that would it not be better that you got some academic respectability I says wait a minute I was quite uh, fiercely proud of the PE course yeah. because you needed better entrance qualifications to get into a select PE group than to go to university and my two brothers went to university and you know and he, you know one of them a bit like yourself he was a full-time student for eight years you know and 
Peter is honours here, then he did his masters in America. This is Jock, is it? No, this no, is the other one. Jock, he 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 was at the academy. He went to Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And his law degree at Cambridge, so he got to come back and do the Scottish law stuff. But so these two guys were academic. I wasn't as academic as mm-hmm. they were, but I was capable enough to pass my higher sort of thing, you know. And then I went to the PE course. But to get into the PE course, you had to pass a physical aptitude test. You had to pass an interview, and you had to have attesta- university attestation of fitness mm-hmm. to get in. Now. At the university, all you had to do was have the attestation of fitness. Yeah. You had to hire that goes yes. in. It was a far more difficult job to in to be a PE teacher than to be, say, an English teacher. Yeah. Or French. Yeah. Anyway, so the head, the, the, he annoyed me, the director of education, or, or he made me fight my corner when he said, ignorant acrobat, I says, come on. And I, and I stuck up for the PE profession. And he said, well, but I'm serious here. He said, the sky's the limit in education if you spend your afternoons, this was when I went to Dundee, mm-hmm. instead of teaching, which I did part-time, I was going around doing PE teaching in various schools, he says, you should spend that time studying. And another, th- a new uh, venture started at that time, which is now quite well-known and popular, the Open University. And he says, why don't you do an Open University course and get academic? I said, right, okay, mm-hmm. we'll pay you, we'll, as long as you teach for us when you finish. So it wasn't hugely expensive, but I mean, I could have afforded it because I had very good pay at Dundee Football Club, mm-hmm. but they, they paid. And uh, then I had uh, credit exemptions because I had a PE qualification. So you need six credits to get an ordinary degree. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you get three credit exemptions. <laughs> so so in, in three years, easily, part time, I got. And then you do another two years, you can. Top right. Yes. So I did English and geography. Uh, Man after my own heart. I'm a geographer. Well, I love, I love well, geography. Uh, open University. Well, yeah. Uh, and but you know, Open University. The geography was not what I thought geography would be like at school, which was physical geography. Yes. Can you name the longest river and yeah. the highest mountain? <laughs> it was social geography. Yeah. And one of my best experiences, you'll like this, was at Open University. I was sent down to Bath. Okay, yes. The, and we were at the university down there for a summer school. Right. And I had to do a village survey. Oh, yes. And I've done a couple of these. <laughs> well, well, the village was Barrow Gurney. I didn't forget <laughs> it. The name of the village. And I'm telling you, it was fabulous. I knocked every door. I found out the whole... You could do a sort of... A homely sociological, experience. Yeah, sociological uh, analysis of the village. Yes. And it was fascinating. This sounds right in my ballpark. <laughs> well, well, everybody, every door you... You rang every board bill and you showed you your accreditation here. I'm from the Open University, I'm doing this. And you come and they love telling you everything about the village and yeah. how far did your husband travel to work? How, you know, yes. And, and what salary brackets is in there. Nobody hid anything from you. It was incredible. Yeah. Anyway, that. So I did an Open University and then I taught, rather than PE in the afternoons, I taught for a wee while, short time. I, I did English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I got transferred, as I said, to Falkirk and went to live in Hamilton. Right. And the director of education in Lanarkshire knew me because we played in the same school team. Right. And Mankter, he called me in and he said, uh, Craig, I see I've looked at your qualifications. You're, you're applied for a, a work here. He said, I'm going to give you advice. I said, what's that? He said, to get promotion and to help 
your own career and obviously to help us here, why don't you go into the primary? Oh, I said, no way. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, but I'm embarrassed going into the primary school as a man. Mm-hmm. Well, incidentally, I did. I went in to Belsill to a primary school. Uh, one of my pupils became Scotland's Footballer of the Year. And uh, you'll remember him here, maybe a bit young, but he was called Andy Ritchie. Yes. Played for Morton yes. and Celtic. Morton and Celtic, yeah. And Motherwell at the end, but, but Big Andy was in my school team. That's incredible. And and he always he keeps in touch and mm-hmm. he always says, that time you belted me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I deserved it. You know, I only gave you three, Andy. I'd have given you six if you had. <laughs> If I had been big enough, <laughs> he was primary seven. He was bigger than I was. But anyway, that was my my. So I, I went into primary and quite quickly, and it was part time education. You had forty six kids in the morning, and they went home, and then you got another forty two in the afternoon. Crumbs. I mean, it was unbelievable oh, in Lanarkshire. Yeah, they call it darkest Lanarkshire. Just <laughs> so I was in there doing the teaching, and uh, then I got promotion, and I was head teacher. Of a school in Uddingston, nice primary school. Oh yeah, I know Uddingston well. I well, played lawn bowling in a, 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 well, a club at Ellen, and we played Uddingston a few oh, years ago. Oh, I was a small primary school. Well, it wasn't that small. Then. Yeah, uh, Burnhead Primary. I was in there, uh, and I was head teacher there for a while until I got the best job in education, which was lecturing in the College of Education, and that was I got a job lecturing in Craigie College, which is the Strathclyde mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a northern yep. college here at Aberdeen. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, there was a there was a Calendar Park College in Falkirk mm-hmm. and Craigie College and Hamilton College. Yeah. And there were four teacher training colleges and they had diploma course students and uh, postgraduate students. Yeah. And I get the job of taking the postgraduate course, uh, the one year course for teaching in in the uh, and Craigie College, and it was the best job in education. And it's a long story, but I'll tell you how I managed to get from that into the SFA, because... Uh, <laughs> it's know, a fascinating I, story. Well, <laughs> well, well, this is how I got... Well, while I was a head teacher and lecturer in education, I got a call from my pal from one of the coaching courses called... There's a great family in Scotland, wonderful family called the Macleans, and there are three brothers. The one you know best is probably as a manager is Jim, and then mm-hmm. there's Tommy is a player, and there's another one, Willie, and Willie's the oldest, and Willie is a wonderful football coach. They all they're the best in terms of a family in Scotland, knowledgeable about football. Nobody will beat the Macleans. So Willie was the manager of Motherwell. And they phoned me one day out of the blue because I'd met him in the coaching course. Mm-hmm. Could you, you like a wee job at Mother? He could take the reserves. I said, aye, if you want. He says, in fact, he says, you'd be my number two because I do the first team myself. <laughs> I said, well, very good. Now, but this time I've got a job. I've just got a job at the college. Now, you'll know from your academic world that it was a 32 week commitment. Yeah. Students were in two, 11 week semesters and a ten and a ten and it's only th- so 22 weeks of the year you're in inverted commas in holiday yeah and that's when you're supposed to be doing your research <laughs> and writing a thesis yeah. or two yeah. well of course it suited me perfectly yes. we didn't start till october so july august september i'm full-time with motherwell yeah and then when the students come in well he did it himself the full anyway so to cut a long story short 
I was invited by Willie McLean to be assistant manager at Motherwell. He had just taken over from Ian St John, who had gone to Portsmouth. And I loved it at Motherwell, mm -hmm. and we had a super team. I mean, that Motherwell team in those days, you know, Douglas and Hint, and then uh, Jockstein came in the Scottish Cup to Fir Park. We beat them 3-2. We were beaten in the semi-final by a, uh, an indirect free kick, but it was a, a very good team, yeah. a Motherwell team. And uh, I was there for three and a bit years, assistant. And then I got uh, a call from Billy McNeil. Yeah. I'm going to Aberdeen, he says. And he says, I'm got a, there's a great job, I'm just leaving. And he says, I've told them you're the man for the job. And I said, oh, that's very good. Hey, Billy, what's the job? He says, Clyde. Right, okay. So Billy was the manager of Clyde. And he left Clyde, which was a part-time team. Mm -hmm. And that suited me. He says, the, the Clyde, I want to talk to you. So... To cut the long story, it is long when I got, <laughs> I got invited to take the Clyde job at Billy's recommendation. And uh, he, gave me, he left me a very good team. And by Christmas time, we were top of the second division. And even selling Steve Archibald to Aberdeen, to mm -hmm. Steve, to yes. uh, Billy, uh, Billy Bottom. And 25,000. It's a lot of money in those days. <laughs> but then he sold them for 800. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what I managed uh, yeah. uh, He sold them to Tottenham and then he went for a million. But So things were great. It was a lovely football club, yeah. Clyde. And I was nine years. Got a soft spot for Clyde myself, actually. Well, it's a, a, a lovely football club. The, 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 the atmosphere, and spe even the old stadium at Shawfield which was falling to bits right enough and it was shared and owned by the dog track. Mm -hmm. The Greyhound Racing Association yeah. owned it. The, you know, it was really, really enjoyable uh, being manager at Clyde and, you know, I sold some good players. Archibald, I, I said to you, I sold Nevin. Pat Nevin. Uh, yeah. Pat Nevin. Mm -hmm. And I sold the, to Aberdeen, I sold a boy, Tommy McQueen, the, the Aberdeen, remember him, the left back. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry McCabe to Clyde Bank. We, uh, we were taking money in every year to support Clyde mm -hmm. uh, from good sales of, of players uh, and still we managed as a part-time team mm -hmm. to hold our own in the league with full-time teams. So I was at Clyde and this is where this is to get, if you can edit all the rest of it, I got a <laughs> phone call one day and the voice, uh, the girl at the College of Education at Craig, says there's a guy phoned you. You have to phone him at lunchtime. I've got his number. I says, what's his name? She says, Ferguson. I said, did he give you his first name? She says, oh, I don't get it. I, I, I think I just got Mr. Ferguson. And uh, what, show me the number. It was an Aberdeen number. So I says, oh, an Aberdeen code. I says, it'll be Alec Ferguson. Yeah, that's I. It was Alec Ferguson. And I thought, this is McCoyst winding me up. <laughs> 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 this, this is this is the, this is what changed my whole career. This conversation went, Brun. I'm phoning from the office at the College of Education. You know, Brun. He says, "How would you like the holiday of a lifetime?" I says, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Well, you know, the Jockstein died. I have to take the Scottish team." I says, "Yeah." He says, "Well, we're going to the Mexico World Cup. Would you be available to join us on the staff?" And I says, I've got a job, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm teaching here. He says, it's in June. He says, the schools are, I says, it's a college. He says, they'll be winding down by then. He says, ask for a month's leave of absence, unpaid, and we'll pay you. 
Wow. And I said, and he said, you can come. But this is the, the, the crux of his conversation. Right, he said, okay. we've got three games to play, but we won't let that interfere with our enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. Aye. And I said, aye, that's good, Ali. I love the wit in that. Aye, so, so that changed my whole career because I went to Mexico. Mexico. I got off the college, I got leave of absence with pay, mm-hmm. and they thought it was an honour to go with the Scottish football team. So I went and I, and I went, well, there was one or two friendlies and qualification game in Australia. So I was 10 games with Ali, mm-hmm. and I think I learned more. Well, that's unfair to Willie McLean, because I learned a hell of a lot from him. But, but being with Alec, just listened to him, and we dealt with the, the team. Never heard a hairdryer, never raised his voice once. Just totally conversational. Yeah. When he spoke to the team, it's the way I'm trying to speak to you just now. Yes. Well, lads, we got a free kick. What do you think we should do? Any you get any good ones at your club? And I remember Stephen because we won at Liverpool. Alex says, "Well, even though it's Liverpool, <laughs> I'll take it." But this yeah. time he's Aberdeen manager. Yes. He's not. He's yeah. not Manchester yet. Yeah. So he says, "What's that?" He says, "Well, I stand uh, outside the wall and I flick it up, and Kevin Keegan volleys it over the wall." And I says, "That sounds great, Stevie. See if we get a free kick tomorrow." And they were playing Denmark in the first game. That's what we'll do. Now, they never practiced it, you know, we just yeah. said, that's what yeah. we'll do. I said, I like, don't think you should practice. Nah, at their level, practice, no need to practice at their level there. Well, we got the free kick. I was, I was excited. I'm, uh, I'm nudging them in the bench. Yeah, yeah. Wait till we see this, well. See me and Nicole flicked up. We, we Gordon Strachan took it and he hit it off his knee. Yes. And he, and the shin there. Yes. And he, and he, Got to the wall. Harley got to the wall. And Harley got you. She said, "You never practice it." She said, "Shouldn't need practice it." You know, he was mad. But yeah. you know, just to tell you that the, the attitude he had was not the way sometimes is uh, depicted. Yeah, he was uh, laid back, leisurely, and assured certainly. Yeah, and he was the Aberdeen manager. He yeah. wasn't. Manchester by this time. Yes. So anyway, I went with him, and, and when he came, while we were over there, he was offered the Tottenham job and the Arsenal mm-hmm. job. Right. Turned them both down. He said, I'll tell you after the World Cup. Well, they both thought, we're going to be let down here. So they both went and get managers. Mm-hmm. He was mad. He could have been to either London yeah. club before Manchester. Amazing. So months later, he phoned me, he says, I've got offered the Manchester United. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have to leave Aberdeen, which he did. Mm-hmm. So... It's history there, but I he was offered Scotland, and they didn't give him it. They gave it to Andy Roxburgh, yep. who was very successful with the young teams. Mm-hmm. And then Andy asked me to be his assistant full time, and I said, I phoned Alex. I said, Alex says, no, you're you're, you're no cut out to be an assistant. And I said, well, that's flattering. He says, no. He said, what about the under twenty ones? Get a team. You're used to having a team, and you'll be frustrated if you're not. Yes. So, under twenty one job was there. So I got full time assistant manager of Scotland and sole charge under twenty one team. Amazing. Which was so I was seven years doing that, and that was through uh, Alec not taking Scotland, recommending me, and Andy inviting me to do that. So uh, I. And I took the under-20 team and the under-21 team. And then when the under-16 team were in the World Cup finals, I was asked to take them. Uh, That tournament was in Scotland, if you remember. We got to the final. Mm -hmm. And we played a game at Aberdeen against East Germany. 
and we got there and we played Saudi Arabia in the final and unfortunately lost in penalties. So I, had, I did okay. At that time I was under 21 coach, but I was getting there under 20 as well and we were in the quarter final of the World Cup in Chile. So I had a good record with the young teams of Scotland. Mm -hmm. And then I was lucky at a good record also with the, the main team of Scotland. Yeah. You know, when I see, uh, and it's not the manager, I don't blame the manager at all. It's the players. Mm -hmm. We haven't got quality that I had. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my qu later questions, actually. Well, is I'll stop. No, that's fine. It's I'm fine. Keep going. You, I'm trying to give you my route. No, in. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, so keep going. But, well, that's the route. In and the, but what they kept, they kept saying to me, uh, don't you think it's a disgrace that Jordan Sagan hasn't qualified and... Uh, you know, even they go way back to Bertie Volts and George mm -hmm, Burley and mm -hmm. all, all, the, all the guys that they tried. Yeah, yeah. Now I thought Bertie Volts, who followed me, was an inspired appointment. Mm -hmm. He'd won the World Cup as a player, mm -hmm. and he'd won the European Championship as a manager. Yes, you couldn't get better. Yeah, and I, I thought they didn't ask me about him, but I knew him because yes. I played him in the under 21s mm -hmm. and I was friendly with yeah. Bertie. But if I could go back to when I got the job with the Scottish FA, uh, I was also the technical director. <laughs> you know, so now these are two jobs. In fact, there are three jobs because it's the job with the under-21s is full-time. Yeah. Now, now I was part-time because I was full-time with the national team. Yeah. And I was full-time technical director. There was some commitment I had at the SFA. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, don't regret it. I was 16 years there. But in those days... We had wonderful players, this yeah. is the point I was making. And, uh, you know, when I think of, we qualified for Euro 96 mm -hmm. and we qualified for the World Cup 98. Yes. And in each qualification campaign, mm -hmm. we had 10 games. 10. 10, I know. And how many, games, how many goals did we lose in each qualification group? Three. I mean, 10 games, you lose three goals. That's pretty good shooting. Uh, I and mean, pretty good at keeping them out, I should say, as well. Unbelievable. And then we had two wonderful goalkeepers. We had Leighton. Jim Leighton and Andy Gorham. And Gorham. And we had a back three. We played a back three in Hawaii. That's another. I could be talking tactics all day. But we played a back three because the best country in the world at the time, and in Europe certainly, was Germany. Yeah. And the most successful club sides in Europe were German. Yeah. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. And they played 3-5-2. Yeah. We played Germany under-21s at Petodre. They played 3-5-2. So I matched them up. Yeah. And we went 3-5-2. And it convinced me that that was a very effective system. Yeah. So when I had the Scottish national team and we weren't losing goals, we played 3-5-2 now. Uh, and it wasn't a 5-3-2. Mm -hmm. The two wide players, we call them wing-backs wing now, I just yeah. said wide midfield player. These guys were attacking. Mm -hmm. They weren't, de they weren't defenders yeah. primarily. Yeah. They got up the pitch and the back three were solid as a rock. Yeah. The back three I had with Calderwood, Henry and Boyd. That's a strong back three. Uh, and if you put Leighton behind them, yeah. Leighton played 91 games for Scotland and lost 40, uh, and in 42 games he didn't lose a goal. No. This is a Scotland goalie. Mm -hmm. He's not the Germany goalie. I know, I know. Or the Italy goalie. I know. Scotland goalie. 45 clean sheets. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Now that tells you how lucky I was with the quality. And then the, the main man in, in the 3-5-2 system, or one of the, was the, the anchor man in the middle of the three, 
and we had fantastic anchor man in there, Lambert. Yes, I was going to say Paul Lambert, actually. Because he had won the European... With uh, Dortmund. Chart, with Dortmund, yeah, and yeah. he played in there. And then when he was getting on, we, we played Stuart McCall in there. Mm -hmm. and it was Another very good player. Aye, Lambert and McCall in there. Mm -hmm. and, and but some of the players on that team as well, John Collins. Well, either side, McAllister and Collins. I mean, and then you had two strikers for a while with Johnson and McCoyst. I mean, we had... <laughs> I mean, Ali McCoyst, you know, uh, the, you just had to honor his name and just say, <laughs> just think, what a legend. Well, I love him, but so I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in football yeah. that I was privileged to have that quality yeah. of player. Uh, and then the, I'll, I'll give you the Gordon Strachan line yeah. just now because I, I was showing you there a mug and it's, it's a Yoda mug. And that comes about because I was uh, asked when Gordon Strachan was struggling a wee bit on the BBC, I went on to Tam Cowan, I think, in the programme and they said, uh, what do you think, Gordon? His coat must be in a shaking ale. And I always supported him. Yeah. I'd always support the manager. Uh, some more than others, but I certainly uh, uh, was very supportive of Gordon, very supportive of Alec McLeish. Well, uh, you could have the best manager in the world, you could bring back the best manager on the planet there ever, has ever been in that Sir Alec Ferguson yes. and he couldn't win with that team yeah. that's what I said I said so it's not Gordon it's the players, the players. So and their commitment yes so one of them phoned Gordon <laughs> and said Tim Brown says that uh, it's not you and he said oh that's very good of Craig he says uh, uh, well, uh, coming from him because he's the Yoda of Scottish <laughs> football so I didn't know who Yoda was, and I never watched Star Wars, I had not a clue who Yoda was. <laughs> so I said to my granddaughter, 13 year old granddaughter, I says, who's this Yoda, because somebody told me he's in Star Wars, you are, yeah, yeah, wait, wait and I'll show you Yoda. Well, she got Yoda, and she showed me the ugliest <laughs> green face, and I says, that bastard striking's calling me Yoda. So, I was quite angry, you know, I said, <laughs> you're laughing, but, but I was, I was mad, I said, he's a Yoda of Scottish football, he might have been kinder to me than that, so, of course, the next international, who's sitting right beside me, God, like, like his wife, no, his wife, oh God, he's the manager, he's, she's sitting there, I says, by the way, Leslie, I have a bone to pick with your man, <laughs> says, what's that, I says, you know, they, they were asking me about his future, and, and I was supporting him, and then, I thought I did well supporting him. She says, well, you did. He was very pleased. He was very grateful. He thought that was very nice. Said, well, why did he call me the Yoda? I said, I didn't know. My granddaughter showed me Yoda. He's the ugliest little rascal. Yeah. She says, no, 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 no. He means Yoda is the wise man of the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, he's forgiven. So, Super. of course, my, my grandchildren still joke with me. They call me Yoda. Yes. And uh, so they gave me a Yoda mug. This is Brilliant. a couple of Christmases ago. Excellent. Uh, what a fabulous connection that is. Aye, sorry, I'm, I'm no, 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 it's alright. We're going to split this into two parts. So aye, just, before the, just before the, the end of the first part, I just wanted to take you a little bit back to Euro 96 and 98 in France. What was your emotions when you were walking with the team out onto the pitch for the first game? Notably against Brazil in 98. Aye, I think, well, I'm, uh, two things happened there because I knew Carlos Alberto Pereira, who was the Brazil manager. Uh, the one before that one, but and, and the best lecture I've ever heard about uh, talking about football was Carlos Alberto Pereira, and they asked him, 
uh, why do your teams go out hand in hand, your Brazilian team go out hand in hand? He says, well, we lost in Bolivia in a qualification game. There are ten countries in a South American mm-hmm. qualification. And I think only two of them qualify, I'm not sure, maybe three, but two. So you've got to be in the top. So we go to Bolivia and it's altitude, it's the highest country in South America, 8,000 feet. Or is it metres? Anyway, it's the highest. And our boys were struggling in the, in the altitude and we lost the game. Mm-hmm. So when they came back to Rio to play the second game, they played home and away. Yeah. In the qualifications of America, I said he came, and I'm going. I'm saying now we've got to make up for that defeat. They get up there, and the captain was Dunga. Mm-hmm. And Dunga's going round every boy, and he said, "Come on!" And he's going, "Come on!" He's going round shaking hands. He was, like, he was a great player, by the way. <laughs> aye, aye, it was the half. So they're shaking hands, and Dunga, he, he got to the he had, the he had the last two hand in hand. Yes, but the way it turned out, mm-hmm. he's holding this hand in yeah. that hand, and he says, "By the way, guys, look at this." That's the way we should go, all hand in hand. And he just said it. And he says, that's that's proven we're together as a team. So they played their home game in Rio against uh, Bolivia and they won 5-1. Mm-hmm. And because of the superstition, they went out hand in hand for that game. Right. That was what they always did. So we're over there in, in France to play this game, the opening game of the World Cup. And uh, they're telling me there's 108 country's watching this <laughs> you know, no pressure right? yeah. so uh, you're a wee bit nervous not too bad I was always assured with my teams and I, I, I looked out the dressing room the referees right, come on gent- come on gentlemen gentlemen he's shouting us and I'd never liked to go out first because I learned that from Alec Ferguson you are never out first they're out first and you, they wait on you you never wait on them Mm-hmm. And he did it at Aberdeen, he did it at Manchester United, everywhere. And the teams would hang about at Pitodry waiting and Aberdeen coming out. Same at Old Trafford. Anyway, so I had this thing I learned from Alec. And I said, are they out to the referee? They're coming. And here they're walking along, yeah, holding hands. So I went back in the referee and said, guys, I've just seen them. They're shitting themselves. They're hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> So of course I remember that Darren Jackson. He's laughing. Yeah. You know he's he always, a great player. <laughs> well, he always jokes with me. He always says, "What? Well, I can never forget you putting your head in the door and saying they're shitting themselves." <laughs> but so they, they went out. But I, the, the the proudest moment I think of my career, you could argue, is the anthem mm-hmm. before the first game, the opening game of the mm-hmm. World Cup. Now there are 110 mm-hmm. countries, 108 countries watching it. And I told them, you're singing it. And none of two Anglos, no two sure, you know, you know, even the bench boys, you're singing it because the camera goes you as well, and Big Matt Elliott or somebody like Neil Sullivan. Mm-hmm. I said, and, and make sure you get the words. So we taught them the words. Yes. And they're all standing there, and every jersey's in. Yeah. Every stocking's the same turnover. Yes. And every player is singing. Right. And, and I thought, that's. Now, Alex. Ferguson's a phrase in football, the standards you set are the standards you get. Whatever you want, you get. What a great saying that is, and it's so true. Aye, it is, he does it all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. If, if any team of Alex travelling always travelled with a blazer and a tie. Mm-hmm. Manchester United, big heavy blazer too. Now they're all going about scruffy and... and they've got their earphones and that, and yeah. He wouldn't allow that head. Yeah, yeah. The music is, in the dressing room, the music is for the team. Yeah. The music in the bus is for the team, it's not individual. Now, if you get one or two Jamaicans that want the reggae stuff, yeah, 
you have a player who's the music convener. You've got to put in a couple of songs for them. Yeah. And I did it in every dressing room, and Alec, I learned that from him too. That getting the music, we're all listening to the same music, and we're all together, and everything is team orientated. And uh, that was so that start of that game, everything was good until we lost the goal, of course. But you know that the things that you can control are their turnout, mm-hmm. their timing, uh-huh. their dress. We went in the kilt, we mm-hmm. now took a great trick. Yeah. The whole team arrived in the stadium in the kilt, walked onto the pitch wearing the kilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine. Now, not just the Scottish fans applauded. The fans, oh, yeah, fans, did as well. I, they yeah. thought it was yeah. great. So um, I, I get a wee bit, uh, what should we say, proud of... You're looking a bit emotional just talking to me, mate, which is fantastic. No, 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 no. I've, I've got something right No, no, no. <laughs> I, I want to say... I, I, it's I, great I, memories, though, isn't no, it? No, but I didn't get emotional. I was never emotional at a game. No? Never. Never? No. no. I, I, slightly, but I was never... Mm-hmm. Even if we won, I was never... You know, we beat England at Wembley. We beat mm-hmm. Germany in Germany. No, I didn't go about bouncing. Yeah. I just... I, I, it was a, a real contentment. Yeah. You know, and... We had some good results with uh, my time with the Scottish team. To, yeah. to win away from home at Wembley, to win away from home... The, the England 1-0, the Don Hutchinson goal. Aye. I remember that game very vividly. Cracking header as well. Well, just before it, we'd been to Germany and beaten them, mm-hmm. you know, away from home. Yeah. And then we'd gone to Russia, 250 million people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and got a nothing each draw. Yeah. We, we had a, a brilliant uh, uh, attitude and a brilliant commitment in the team. You know, the team spirit, which could take you through, it could, can, can overcome a lot of uh, deficiencies in quality, maybe. Yeah. If you've got that spirit, that and allied to that, just a wee sense of humour. You know, yeah. like you need it sometimes. When I said to them, look, see that tape round your socks? We were wearing red socks at one international. I said, see that tape? Yeah, that's unacceptable. Yeah. That's a and and oh, Stevie Nichol, he's a lovely guy. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was a wee boy there. And Steve he says, well, I'm at Liverpool, we get red socks. He says to me, and we get put in the tape room and red socks. I says, Stevie, wait a minute. This isn't a pub team, Liverpool. <laughs> this is Scotland. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if he put a wee line like that in, yeah. he, he actually smiled and yes. he took the tape off. Yeah. But you don't say, don't you dare, you know, yeah. you're not getting a game yeah. for that. But they know. I think it relaxes everybody as well, doesn't Aye, it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. They know that if they don't conform, you see, and again, another Alec Ferguson says that there's no manager in any business as powerful as a football manager. Yeah. And he says, there's another thing. You can only lose that positional power. Yes. And I love this statement. You can only lose it in two ways. One, by being dishonest. And two, by being incompetent. If you're either of those, you've lost your positional power. The, the dressing room, as they talk about, is mm-hmm. switched off. Yeah. But if you're honest and you're reasonably competent you don't need to be superman but you've got to be competent and know what you're about you've got the power and uh, you know when you walk into the dressing room you shouldn't have to say sit down i'm the i'm the manager yeah they just sit down automatically right one question to ask you before we finish the first part um where scotland are currently do you see them qualifying for your 2020 yes yes i see i i I think I watch what I'm saying here. I think a certainty is we'll beat Israel at home. That's what I think as well, personally. A certainty. But 
an away game in Serbia or in Norway presents a problem. It's never easy, is it, no, away from home? My big pal uh, has a or a pal of mine has a restaurant in there, and uh, he played for Red Star, and of course he's very knowledgeable about Serbian football, and he says, I can't wait till we get Scotland in Serbia, and big Nino that owns this. Uh, it's funny you mention that, because I think Norway will beat Serbia personally, but well, well, uh, well, <laughs> let's see what happens. Well, well, well if, whichever one, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been... My, I've been quite lucky against Norway with the Scottish team. Uh, we've got a point off them at 98. Craig Burley's chip, I remember. Aye, but, but I mean, we beat them in the previous in the qualification before we went to Norway and beat them. Morris Johnson scored two. Mm-hmm. So we've not had... the Egil Olsen was their manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've not had the problem against Norway that uh, I think we could have against Serbia. Mm-hmm. The, the, I think Scandinavian, they're more... Like our, more, mm-hmm. or you say orthodox, but mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to get with some of these mm-hmm. these, these yeah. uh, more Latin teams, yeah. you know, the Serbians, ex-Macedonian team. You're wondering, and yeah. when, when you saw, yeah. when I saw them on television, they really look good. Mm-hmm. So uh, to answer your question, I think we're a certainty to get to the final of the playoff, and then. I think it's a 50-50. Well, one-off game, anything can happen. Yeah, one-off. And even away from home, we'll take a big crowd. Mm-hmm. But home advantage is an, un- an undoubted advantage mm-hmm. of uh, home fixture because of everything, you know, the crowd yeah. and also no matter how powerful the referee is yeah. <laughs> and how good the VAR is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your influence yeah. no matter. I love Steve Clark. I want it to really uh, work for him. I think so he's a great I'll, manager. I'll give you a, give you a line about him. He knows I'm. I had a, I picked him a couple of times for Scotland, but and he, and he knows uh, I'm I'm here. I lived in here, right? So he had a wee fondness for Air United. So when he got the Scotland job, I said to him, "This was this confirmed his his how can I put it? His quick wit." Sends you. I said, "Stevie, tell me something. What was it like being manager of the second best team in Ayrshire?" <laughs> But you know what he said? You know what he said? Right like that. He said, the third best. Did the Talbot not beat your one? <laughs> and that's a great line. That is a great line. And on that, and on that point, I think we should end part one of this Craig Brown interview. Craig Brown. Thanks very much. Well, listener, I hope you enjoyed part one of the Craig Brown special. The second part will be released later in the year, where we delve into Craig's tenure at club level where he had some fantastic times at Preston North End, Motherwell and Aberdeen. I'll also be asking Craig about some of football's contentious issues, such as VAR and more. Um, If you enjoy Campbell's Footballs, please leave a review or tell your friends. You can find the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, this has been Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. <laughs>